none of the 12 disciples were there. On the first Easter morning, outside the empty tomb, where Jesus first revealed himself as risen, none of the 12 disciples were there. Jesus' brothers were not there either. The Apostle Paul wouldn't meet him for a few years yet. For Thomas, it would take another week. Most of the disciples would meet the risen Christ later that day, but on that first Easter morning at the empty tomb where Jesus first revealed himself as risen, none of them were there. The only ones there, a group of women. John tells only about Mary Magdalene. Matthew says it was Mary Magdalene and another Mary. Mark names Mary Magdalene, another Mary, and Salome. Luke tells us it was Mary Magdalene, another Mary, Joanna, and the other women. How many there were altogether, we don't know. What we do know is that it was only a handful of women that went to the tomb that morning, and they were the first ones to whom the risen Lord appeared. That's not to say that these women who were at the grave, that, that they were at the grave because they had a more fervent faith than the disciples. The women did not go to the tomb that morning because they believed that Jesus had risen. It was not the risen Christ they expected to find that morning, but a dead body. They went to the tomb for the purpose of anointing the body of Jesus for burial. There hadn't been time to anoint the body prior to that morning. When Jesus' dead body was brought down from the cross on Friday, it was getting to be late in the afternoon. Sundown that day would be the start of the Sabbath. All work had to be accomplished before the Sabbath began. There was barely enough time to get the body down off the cross, wrapped up and placed inside a tomb, much less anoint the body for burial. It was a wealthy benefactor, Joseph of Arimathea, who offered to place the body in his own family tomb, newly hewn into the rock side of a nearby garden. Jesus had once said that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He had nowhere to lay his dead body either. He had to depend on the generosity of a wealthy follower to provide a resting place for his body. The women had been there when the body of Jesus was laid in the tomb. They watched as a large circular stone door was rolled into place, sealing it off. They saw the guards who were stationed there by Pilate to ensure that the body would not be removed. They made plans to come back at the earliest opportunity to give the, the body a proper burial. The Sabbath ended at sundown on Saturday. No one would go into a dark tomb to tend to a dead body after sundown. There would be no way to see what they were doing. So Sunday morning, at first light, they were there. They were there to unwrap the body and anoint it with the spices and oils they brought with them. No, we can't say that they had a stronger faith or a more orthodox belief than the disciples. They expected the body to still be dead just as much as everyone else did. But they went to the tomb that morning out of a sense of devotion, devotion to the man who had been their master, you see, even though Jesus was dead, they still had a sense of commitment to him, an obligation to carry out for him, a compassion to pour out upon him. While the disciples were off somewhere trying to 
figure out for themselves what to do next, the women were still tending to Jesus. And as a reward for that commitment, for that devotion, they were the very first witnesses to the resurrection. They were the very first people to discover the good news that would change the world forever. They were the ones to whom the risen Christ chose to appear. And lest you think that it was just happenstance that the women saw him first simply because they happened to be in the right place at the right time, Jesus did not have to appear to them. He could very easily have kept his presence from them. Neither did Jesus need to tarry around the empty tomb to be seen there. Later that day, he would appear as if out of nowhere, miles away on the road to Emmaus, behind locked doors in an upper room. The risen Christ could have appeared that morning anywhere he wanted and revealed himself to whomever he chose. The ones he chose first were the women who came to the tomb. Matthew and John give two very different accounts of this appearance. Actually, they are two different appearances of Jesus. In one, John's gospel, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene alone. In the other, Matthew's gospel, he appeared to all the other women. In Matthew, an angel of the Lord delivers the the good news to the women that Jesus has been raised. The angel invites them to see the empty tomb and then directs them to go tell his disciples that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that he will meet them back in Galilee where their time together had begun. So they left the tomb, intending to go deliver that message of the angel. And on the way, suddenly Jesus appeared. Greetings, he said. I have to say that sounds kind of odd to me. Greetings? This man who had been dead and buried, whom they believed up until just moments ago was still dead, he shows up to them alive and in person, and all he says is, greetings. Like, hey, nice to see you again. I don't know, maybe greetings in Aramaic has more weight to it. It just seems like such a mundane thing to say in such a majestic moment. But then again, What else could he say? What more needed to be said? It wasn't his words, but the living presence that bowled them over in that moment. Jesus was standing there alive. They had watched him die. They had seen him buried. And now he was alive. The women immediately fell to his feet and began worshiping him. And then he reassured them and directed them to do the same thing that the angel had instructed. Tell the disciples to go to Galilee and he would meet them there. Jesus would meet the disciples back in Galilee eventually. We'll read that story in a few weeks. But before that, he would appear to them first right there in Jerusalem in the upper room later that very night and again the next week. We'll read those stories in the coming weeks as well. During the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at all of the biblical appearances of the risen Jesus leading up to Pentecost, beginning this week with the first appearance to the women at the empty tomb. John tells a a very different story from Matthew. John only talks about Mary Magdalene. He doesn't say anything about the other women who were there that morning. 
He doesn't deny that there were other women there. He just doesn't tell that part of the story. His focus is on Mary Magdalene. And with Mary Magdalene, Jesus appeared right there in the garden, and he appeared to her alone. Furthermore, when Jesus appeared to Mary in the garden, it was after she had run back and told Peter and John that the tomb was empty, and they ran to the tomb to see for themselves, and she came back with them. No message from the angel yet. No word yet of resurrection. It takes a little bit of conjecture to tie the stories of Matthew and John together. It seems that when the angel appeared to the women in Matthew, Mary Magdalene had either already left the tomb to go tell Peter and John it was empty, or she was so distraught and distracted by the empty tomb that the words of the angel didn't register with her. If it seems hard to imagine that she could have heard the words of the angel but without them registering, Consider the fact that when the risen Jesus did finally appear to Mary, she didn't recognize him. She thought he was the gardener. Grief will do a funny thing to a person. I, I can't say for sure exactly how and when and why the women got separated, but it's clear that when Jesus appeared to the other women, Mary Magdalene was not with them. She was already back fetching Peter and John to come see the empty tomb which they did. They came and they saw for themselves. John tells us that the two disciples went in and saw the tomb was empty. They saw the grave clothes lying there, but they didn't yet understand. Then they went back home. But Mary stayed there. Mary stayed there. She stood weeping outside the tomb. Had she not heard the words of the angel earlier that morning? Had she heard but not really heard because she was so overwhelmed by her grief? In either case, she stood weeping, not just because she still believed Jesus was dead, but because his body was missing. She couldn't even give a proper goodbye to the master who had meant the world to her. Then Jesus, just as he had with the other women who had already left the tomb, Jesus showed up. He appeared before her. He spoke to her. Woman, he said, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? This is a far cry from greetings that he had offered to the other women. I kind of poke fun at that one. This one is a proper conversation. This is a real dialogue. But this is a different situation, too. The women to whom Jesus appeared in Matthew's gospel, they were not still in the throes of grief. They had heard and understood the words of the angel. They believed, at least on some level, that the words were true. Maybe they didn't completely understand. They were probably still confused and questioning, but they believed the words of the angel, at least to the extent that they were on their way to tell the disciples not just that the tomb was empty and the body was missing, but that Jesus had been raised. So when Jesus appeared to them, they were ready to believe. All he had to do was show up. That was it. Greetings. That's all they needed to hear from him, to know that it was true. He is alive, and he was there with them. But not Mary. Not Mary. Mary was different. Mary Magdalene was still trapped 
in her grief and still blinded by her tears. Mary Magdalene was not on the verge of believing. She was in the grips of despair. Jesus was gone, both dead and missing. A simple greetings was not going to cut it. Jesus met her right where she was. He met her in her grief. Why are you weeping, he asked. Who are you looking for? Of course, Jesus knew the answer already. Jesus always knows the answers, but he asks the questions anyway. In this case, he asks the questions to open a conversation, to let her know that, she, that he cared. He was giving her the opportunity to voice what was going on inside of her, to let it out. How often... We take that opportunity away from people. We skip right to the good news without acknowledging where they are. How often we deny folks the chance to express their grief, to voice their pain, to pour out their heart. Jesus encouraged the woman to speak, to be heard. He listened to her. He loved her. Before he ever let on to who he was, he let her know that she mattered. And pour out her heart, she did. She begged him to tell her where the body was so that she could go retrieve it. I've always assumed that what Mary meant when she said she would go get the body was that she would get the body and bring it back to the grave. But that's not exactly what she says. Literally what she says is, I will take him, implying that she would take the body with her. In the most literal translations, she says, I will take him away. She wasn't trying to return the body to the grave. She wanted to take Jesus' body home with her, which kind of explains what Jesus says to her next. But first, first, he simply speaks her name, Mary. Mary, at the sound of her name, spoken by Jesus. That's when Mary's eyes were opened. She recognized who it was standing before her. Then Jesus said, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Do not hold on to me. That, That doesn't mean don't touch me. Jesus wasn't forbidding her from touching him. What he meant was don't grasp onto me. Don't cling to me. Don't try to keep me here. Remember a moment ago, Mary was talking about taking Jesus' body with her. Now that he's alive, how much more so will she want to grasp hold and never let go of him again? Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Jesus still had other places to go, other people to appear to, more lessons to teach. And Mary had somewhere to go and something to do as well. Go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary was sent on a mission just like the other women had been. All of the women were sent out to deliver the news of the resurrection to the disciples. They were told by Jesus to testify to what they had seen and what they knew to be true. The women were commissioned by Jesus to be the first preachers, the first witnesses of the good news. 
But as we see in these two gospel accounts from Matthew and from John, Jesus spoke to the different women in very different ways, depending on where they were that morning and what they needed from him. Mary Magdalene was torn up by her grief. She needed Jesus to take time with her individually, to show compassion for her, to speak with her on a personal level. That's what allowed the truth of the resurrection to break through and sink in. The other women, they were ready to believe. They, they had heard the message of the angel, and they went out in faith. What they needed from Jesus was simply confirmation that it is true and that they were on the right path. The same holds true today. We come to worship on Easter Sunday because Christ has been raised. Jesus is alive. But different people come at different stages with different needs. Some are ready and eager to believe. All they need is a simple reminder that it's true. Jesus is alive. Continue spreading the word. For others, it might take more than that to break through. Whether it's because of grief or an unwillingness to believe or a skepticism that says, I need to see him and touch him for myself. That's another of the resurrection stories we'll read in a few weeks. Jesus meets us all where we are. He gives each of us what we need. Wherever you are this morning, Jesus is here with you. He is listening. He cares. If you are here in faith, the living Christ greets you this day and encourages you to go share the word. If you are here in doubt, the living Christ welcomes you. He accepts your questions. He engages you in your quest for truth. If you are here in grief, the living Christ is with you. He understands your pain. He sits with you in it, and he enfolds you in his love. If you don't even know where you are in your walk of faith this day, that's okay. Christ does. And he loves you. And he speaks your name in tenderness and concern. And he reminds you that he is with you and that you are his. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He wants you to know that. He wants you to be comforted by that. He wants you to be encouraged by that. He wants you to rejoice in that. He wants you to find life in that. Jesus is alive. Thanks be to God.